Hey, Matt. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm back in Scotland. Awesome. How's Austin? Austin is a little Scottish right now. Oh. <laughs> I came Maybe back. it's a sign. Our worlds are coming a little closer together. Yeah, I came back yeah. to 43 Fahrenheit and uh, rain. Oh. Which is Ooh. just disgusting. <laughs> but we are the Sass twins now, right? We're the Sass twins. <laughs> Our born on dates are kind of the same we, now. We're in sync. We are in sync. Yeah, we... Like the band. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of us is Justin. I hate to say it. I mean, that would be... That'd be awesome. But... <laughs> No, a little, little far from that. And I think MicroConf was uh, full of folks that aren't Justin <laughs> or, or, or any kind of pop star. But that's okay. Those are my people. Those are, it was great. Yeah. So uh, how does it feel to be back? It feels really good. Um, we were all doing the, hey, I'm home in the Slack yesterday. And I think I won. Mine was the, the, le- the latest. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I was the one who left. I was the last one to leave the hotel and the first one to be home. That is so, that's great. I mean, it was micro, to be fair, it was microconf Europe. So it wasn't really a fair expectation, but um, we were, we were luckier on the way home at first because we had a direct flight from Frankfurt to Houston, but then Houston, there was a massive wall of thunderstorms moving across Texas as sometimes it happens. And we got two hours delayed in Houston. So when we pulled into the driveway last night, it was, I want to say 1230, which was 26 hours after we left the Hotel Dubrovnik. That's so. brutal. <laughs> yep. And I'll say it's worth it. I think one thing, so I was actually listening to our friends, uh, um, Benedict and Brian on Slow and Steady this morning, and they were talking Shout about, out. yeah, Benedict was talking about return visitors being lower than expected. And I had a, an idea that maybe maybe when folks go, although it doesn't make sense from Europe, this, this line of thing doesn't work. I will say this for me, going next year, like I'm going to need the next 364 days to like recuperate <laughs> in a way. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it, man. I know you come to the States quite a bit. I think uh, Dubrovnik is an edge case because it's like in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by mountains. That's fair. I think what you'd probably need to do next year is f- find like some sort of flight, direct flight to Rome or something like that. Maybe Athens or somewhere like in the area and then find a cruise ship to make it more pleasant. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all about the legs. Fewer legs is better. And we had fewer legs on the way home. So it was it was much easier. But no, it feels great to be home and yeah. got some some sleep on the flight. I also got a little bit of work done. Uh, you were fixed- on Slack just as always. <laughs> Like it doesn't matter if you're sleeping or you're on a plane or whatever. You're always in Slack. <laughs> always on Slack. I, <clears throat> yes, I was. <laughs> uh, full stop. Yeah. So for this episode, we kind of realized we don't have a lot of exciting updates because it's all microconf. Microconf brief recap. It was awesome. We had a good time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically what... I thought we could do was because last time we did an in-person episode and I feel like that worked really well. Um, actually, that episode is taking off a little bit. If you look into the into the cat, uh, the Ooh. analytics. Yeah. 
Um, I wish I knew yeah, why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we got a little uh, microconf boost. Yeah, so that's always nice. Um, but kind of like on the last night, whenever most almost everyone had left the hotel, um, and we came back from dinner, we sat in the in the hotel bar. Just to, I think that was the first time it was just the two of us. Yep. Um, and we should have recorded a podcast, but we didn't because people actually had requested a, a drunk episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were having a glass of red wine and we were having good discussions about business models and strategy and flywheels. And I think it could be interesting to talk a little bit about that and kind of like how, how we were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of the, like you have been talking about flywheel for a while. And I remember you sent me some blog posts a while back um from i'm blanking on his name um but you can maybe i honestly i don't remember either it was one of those i mean jim collins is the flywheel sort of coiner oh, yeah. inventor but that was somebody who uh leapt off of that and yeah. did a great did a great job um, yeah expanding and then yeah but then i found an, a blog post by the founder of law trades and he basically so first in the blog post he breaks down basically the flywheel for his business um and then he also kind of applied the fly, flywheel um, methodology or whatever to his own life. Um, and it just really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Basically, how he described it was you have this this these things you're doing in your business. And then you basically try to do the think about the why of why you're doing it and kind of like what's the next step in the flywheel after that step. And you keep doing that until you kind of like hit full circle and then. When you hit full circle is when you're basically at a higher level and it, the flywheel is going a little faster and you keep doing that. And I just I really like the idea of that. Yeah, um, there's feedback loops everywhere. And yeah, I think that's what the flywheel is. Obviously, it's a it's a, it's a loop, a causal yeah. loop. And um, coincidentally, I downloaded a bunch of podcast episodes for the flight home. And one of them was the Farnham Street um, podcast uh, Shane Parrish, um, pretty popular in some startup circles. If you don't listen, yeah. he's an incredible writer, thinker, and a podcaster on mental models and decision making. And he was interviewing none other than Jim Collins. So he, oh nice, I think maybe I heard did a flywheel was- episode. Yeah, they talked about quite a few things. Flywheels was not, I shouldn't say the episode. It was in the episode title, but they did spend a fair amount of time talking about them. And one thing that uh, Jim said on there was that. Um, you know, flywheels, the arrows really imply a necessary and an inevitable um, element to the next thing. So for example, it's like I eat and become full is good. You know, I eat and then I have a craving for dessert is not as good. Like (laughs) it, it, it could be true that a lot of times when you have an entree, you want dessert. But what I took away from that was kind of the, the strength of the implied next step is a measure of the quality of your flywheel yeah if it's you know if it's loose it's loose but yeah i had that going on in my brain uh literally going into my brain (laughs) during the flight and our (laughs) and our wine conversation but um yeah back to the conversation though it was it was nice to yeah i kind of felt like it was the denouement if you will (laughs) of our of our (sighs) microconf experience where a lot of tactics and you know intense discussions about what's next and masterminds. And this was kind of the postlude of kind of take, take it looking up. A I level. feel like kind of like what are kind of sparked the conversation is, was us 
basically talking through some of the tactics that people are talking about. So something like running paid ads, for example. And I mm -hmm. think kind of like what we were touching at was what like it's okay to run paid ads, but you also like you have to kind of think about the why a little bit, like and so what, like what's going to happen after that? Yeah. Um, because you can't just probably not <laughs> can't just like keep doing the same thing all the time. And there's been a lot of talks lately in the in the bootstrapper communities as well about like basically initial traction channels drying That's right. out. That's right. And basically the the how do we find the next thing and i think that's when it's really good to take a step back and basically start thinking about flywheels and being like why like this specific action i'm taking why now like what's the what's the larger strategy behind it and what what is it that i'm trying to prove because a lot of this thing like a lot of this is actually you trying to prove that something works mm -hmm. um you're not just trying to get 10 extra customers because like 10 extra customers is not going to do anything to your business. You're trying to see if you can do a, if you can basically execute on a strategy and you're trying to prove that a strategy works by yep. seeing results. And then, so you have to, it has to fit into a larger strategy is kind yeah. of what we talked about. Yeah. I think um, Derek hit on this in Art of Product recently where he talked about the quality of the traction matters more than the numbers mm. that, that you're reporting. So $50 MRR for static kit that comes through a scalable, repeatable channel is yeah, far more valuable than convincing your friend to spend $50 on static kit, right? Or whatever the example is. Yeah. Um, and we talked about yeah. this on another episode where we were like, okay, so what if I get like, what if I get a single customer that basically covers my whole goal for Tiny Seed in terms of revenue? <laughs> right. I didn't, I kind of failed to prove the business model. That's right. That I was trying to prove. Like, obviously, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. But it's not, it, my strategy is not proven, that's for sure. Because that yeah. was my strategy. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I, I had some early big wins um, when Risk Pulse was becoming an enterprise business. And I remember how excited I was to get those deals done, but they were not yet the proof of a business model that was working. And it took years longer to get the rest of it. So yeah, this is all kind of all converging and back to the paid ads part. I think the challenge is that is very linear. So I think of a paid ads as being a very funnel-rific thing, if you will, of I put in money and I get this many things here and I get out that many mm. things there. And that is not itself high leverage in isolation, especially if you're bootstrapping. And no, I think that, that, yeah, that only becomes high leverage in a world where capital is cheap and you can plow a ton of money into paid ads or acquisition. And that's like the blitz scaling world, right? That's, yeah. that's what I kept wanting to say. <laughs> this is actually a post post bar thought is like in the blitz scaling world of Silicon Valley, that is, um, it's not what people savvy investors don't love to hear it, that that's your way of acquiring uh, users. But you know, in a mature business, Series B, Series C, when money is a weapon and you can just throw billions of dollars at something or you know tens of millions of dollars at 100 million, that's okay. But we're not in <laughs> we're not in that world trying to build these traction channels for a bootstrapped business model. Or when you've achieved some sort of virality where it's like. You, you you click an ad and then you sign up for a thing and then you tell 10 friends or you you that's buy right. a t-shirt online and then all your friends they're see seeing your t-shirt and they're like oh that's a cool t-shirt where do you buy it so then the next user that kind of we had a mentor call recently with with a asia 
uh, Matos, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she talked about this. Like, that's another very important thing to consider is basically like, why, why are you acquiring these customers? That's right. And, and that therefore takes it beyond paid ads to another, you know, yeah. another step in the graph of, and when they become customers, dot, dot, dot. Um, yeah. And this is what you're thinking about a lot with, uh, you are applying this in a disciplined way. I'll, uh, I'll say, um, for branch. Yeah. So basically like the way I think about it, this right now is basically how much, like I'm so early on, I'm just one person. Um, there's just, it's limited how much time I can spend. So like, let me give an example from the beginning. When I started branch, I thought to myself, I'm not going to do sales for this business because it's not, it's just not going to make sense to have sales conversations with people about uh, a product that's basic. It's essentially too cheap to have a sales funnel, right? Um, mm -hmm. But then what I learned quickly is you, I, there is actually higher leverage things that I can do um, that actually makes sales worth it for me. So basically, selling to an individual developer doesn't make any sense for me right now because they might even be on the free plan. Like who knows if they're even going to pay. Right. Um, it makes sense for customer development purposes, but then it's not really sales. It's just conversations. Um, if I go up one level, I can start selling to agencies. That I, re I realized that pretty early on. Agencies are awesome because agencies bring in new leads every month because they have, um, basically, they have deal flow and they have salespeople <laughs> that are basically bringing in new projects all the time. Um, so already like selling to an agency instead of a single developer gives me mm -hmm. more leverage. That's right. But then I just started like thinking even more about it and especially talking to Einer about partnership stuff. And so the next level up is basically, okay, sell this to the hosting companies because where do, where the, who is talking to the agencies when they need these kinds of solutions? So that's basically sales engineers at hosting companies or customer success people or uh, developer relations people and stuff like that. So then I switched my focus to start talking to these people and that's where I'm at now. So basically, like I can spend a lot of time talking to a single hosting company if I know that they're going to bring me a steady inflow of of agencies, even if it's not that many here, like early on. But down the down the road, they're going to bring in agencies on a on a continuous basis, and those agencies also have new deal flow coming in. So it's like it becomes much more higher leverage, mm -hmm. and I like to kind of try to think about things these ways. Like how can we? How can we make sales work, for example, by selling to the right? Basically, yeah. So we, when you apply the flywheel, it's like you sell to the agency, and then the agency bring in brings in, a, or you sell to the hosting company. They bring in agencies, and then the agencies bring in new customers, and then you have more customers, and then you just like keep going around the wheel until sometimes you kind of maybe go out of the wheel and start a new flywheel. Um, yeah, and I think the. I think the important thing is there because uh, it's easy to fall into the trap of what they would say in the enterprise world, OEM sales uh, or VAR sales where, hey, I I'm so glad I'm technical. I don't really like sales. I'm going to work with this company who's going to you know, upsell, cross-sell, or also sell my product, right? And yeah. I think founders, especially technical ones, who, prefer, who would prefer not to have to do sales would love to do that in a way. And it's a, it's a, it's a siren song. I think the difference is there is a certain network effect, if you will, when you are selling to a hosting company 
whose incentives are to be differentiated and value add to their clients. And those clients also have a very strong incentive. This is a very competitive market you're selling into. So if you can sell a competitive advantage or differentiation to one of those people, then it does ultimately cascade to, well, more developers are going to use it. And guess what? If more developers are using it, I could argue that they will begin to look for that feature you know, f- with the hosting companies they work with or people yeah. will, right? And so it does feedback. And, and that's yeah. the key. If it doesn't feedback, you are you're getting leverage, but it's that ultimate feedback that's really powerful. Um, yeah, yeah, the leverage is basically that I I realized that that ag- agencies are looking for solutions for this, and they are talking to their hosting provider about what that solution should be, mm-hmm. and then they don't have a good answer, so the sale is really easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you're taking a another phrase for this is like the value chain. You're taking a value chain perspective on your market, not just a, I'm trying to sell this thing to developers. Clearly developers are the users, therefore developers are the customers. Yeah. Um, You know, you're taking more, yeah, this is, it's a better framework for thinking about distribution. And I think channels, which is great. I, you know, um, Justin and Gabriel's book, uh, Traction, you know, being the original uh, awesome Bible on that. It's great to talk about it. I think one thing, and, and with SimSass in particular, I'm really excited about I'm excited about the interest in this because you got to remember that all those different channels have different costs and different scalabilities. And just because you can get some people to come in through a means doesn't mean it's the one that you should actually, it's great to get one to work, but you just have to really understand the unit economics of a channel and how those yeah. change, change over time. And it, I mean, some of these channels just require a very large budget and other ones don't. Um, and I should say, I have no idea this is going to work at all. Like I'm sure. seeing good signs early on, but I have no idea if it's if it's going to work out. But then I'll try something else. But the important part to me is basically that there is a strategy mm-hmm. and yeah. that someone has basically thought through like the potential impact of the strategy and what needs to be done to execute it and give it a shot at least. That's great. And I think that, yeah. sets, I think that sets you up really well as a pattern to keep using, even if you change the elements of it, because even if you say, okay, it wasn't to go to these people, it's to go to this kind instead. Yeah. If you document that, what you're essentially documenting is, you know, the culture that I want to create for SimSAS is really process oriented. And I think people run from process for all kinds of reasons. And some of them are based on experience of like, oh, process is this rigid rule set that we follow. Even if yeah, intelligence yeah. tells us not to do that, we do it anyway, because that's how we've always done it. It's like, no, <laughs> it's the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I really love the ability to document the operations of your company and say, right, there is this thing I do of convincing um, host to use branch. And that is a that is a that is a process that I go through. I'm going to write that down. And right now it's just Peter, but you're going to have you know 10, 20, 30 of these right going on inside your business. And at some point, kind of regardless of title, I can talk about more about that in a second. But like, forget the title for a second. You're going to want somebody whose full time job it is or responsibility is to watch over that process of taking hosting companies and turning them into partners. Yeah. And do more and more and more of those. And right now you're just the first one to do it. But 
that's great. Like you, in, in some sense, you're already scoping or specking out your org chart. Yeah, yeah. And when you have the flywheel, when people are asking you why you do things, it's almost like the five whys, but like in an in a circle that never ends because they ask why, <laughs> and then you give the next one, and they are, but why do you do that? And then you give the next one mm-hmm. until you get back again. But you mentioned, right. yeah, you mentioned something else in the bar, and you can edit this out if you don't want to, if you don't want to articulate <laughs> it yet. But uh, yeah, so yeah. it's strictly copyright, uh, Matt Wensing. Uh, Matt Wensing's podcast. Um, but you were basically talking about basically looking at your whole company and ba- your org chart as a flywheel. Was that kind of what, what you were hinting at a little bit back in the bar? It is. So let me take a step back for a second. You know how folks are talking about products as marketing now? Engineering as marketing is a phrase yeah. we use. Um, product-led growth companies, freemium. Um, I think that content, right? What is that? I really think that we are starting to see the um, <laughs> dissolution. And I don't mean disillusion, <laughs> but the <laughs> dissolving of these um, job functions by department uh, where it's no longer clear like where product begins and ends. It's not really clear where marketing begins and ends, where customer success begins and ends. I think a lot of that is just inherited from pre, I think it's inherited from businesses of yesteryear, right? And we've used it for a long time. So you have a director of marketing in a startup. And I, I, I did it my, at RispPulse. But what I want to try with SimSAS is this, I really want to try this notion of, I'm going to list out all the, all the processes in the business. So on the flight home, I'll just talk about it now. So I wrote the flight wheel company on, my, on the spreadsheet. And I listed out, I just started listing out. I didn't know how many I would get to. But I was like, Inputs, outputs, inputs, outputs, just two columns, input, output, and then an ID on the other one. And I was like, okay, ID is just a number, so I can refer to it later. Super and cool. So, <clears throat> yeah. And so it's like, okay, news and updates, I'm going to deliver those. That Those are input. The output is podcast episodes, right? This mm-hmm. is how I'm going to give news and updates, right? Ideas become articles. Articles beget listeners or readers. Podcasts beget listeners. And I just kept going. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Readers create site visitors. Site visitors become contacts. Contacts become um, accounts, right? Accounts become engaged users or first-time users. First-time users become engaged. I went through the whole thing. I ended up listing out, kind of fast forward through the middle part where it's basically engagement. Then it gets into, well, then I can start to, uh, obviously with these startup accounts, some of them become customers because it's freemium. With those customers, I get revenue. What do I do with the revenue, right? Well, the Mm. revenue feeds into profit. It also feeds into dividends. And it also feeds into the ability to offer other kinds of products at a lower cost than my competitors, right? Mm. And if I offer those, then what does that do? And I went all the way to the end. I I have 45 of these in a list now. And a lot of them feed back into others. Right. So if I want, I drew this as a list. If I want to draw this as a visual, I could. What I really think is cool. And then I went, I'm trying to jump ahead here too much. What I did next is I highlighted the ones I'm working on right now. So for example, I'm going to click my mouse here real quick to, to bring it up. But is this like one wheel or is this <laughs> a s- several small wheels like coming out of a big wheel? Or like, how should we think about it? Yeah. I think you should think about this as a center wheel, which is where I'm focused right now. And then off of that center wheel come more. So for example, SimSAS has referrals and invitations built in. And those referrals and invitations are just kind of loopbacks, right? So 
users invite users, users and refer, which is an external invitation, other users. Um, so think of it as... So you have a little go-to statement some, somewhere? Yeah, there. exactly. So I have an interior wheel and an exterior wheel. And then some of those things also feed back to each other. It's, it's quite... It's quite a few. I know in the classic Amazon one that people see, there's there's an inner wheel and an outer. Uh, on the blog post I shared with you, and we could link this in the show notes, there are several wheel, uh, loops kind of all uh, bumping into each other. But what I did then is two things before I finished. I highlighted the ones I'm working on right now. So that is, um, I highlight the ones that I'm actually concerned with. So it's you know traffic to the site, creating contacts, which is convert kit, you know, entries, um, or, uh, surveys, right. Those contacts becoming users, right. So that's another one. So that was one site visits and contacts. I'm also working on contacts becoming users. I'm also working on users having a good first experience. I'm working on user, uh, users repeat usage. And then lastly, Mm -hmm. lastly, I'm working on repeated visitors, repeat usage, becoming customers. Like, and that's it, right? I just want those five processes to work really well. And I don't care. This is the thing. I'm not thinking about it in terms of marketing or product or engineering or sales. I'm just like, as a team, and right now of one, what do we need to do to have visitors go on one side and contacts come out the other? And that way it can be anything. Like if a product person says, oh, a great way to do that would be to put a tool on the site that collects email addresses if blank, right? Like those are all fair game now. It's not, Mm. oh, well, your department is not, (laughs) sorry, your department's engineering, like not that. It's like, well, maybe you actually have an engineer think about how to turn site visits into contacts, right? And that kind of is what's happening now is that you see more and more product tools being used to do these things. But let me take last takeaway. (sighs) Right now, I am the process owner of every single one of these, right? All 45. Mm. I'm not even working on some of them. But all 45 of these have Matt Wensing's initials <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as the owner. To me, the company that I'm building is going to be someone architects these, right? And right now, that's just the founder. Someone operates these. It's someone's job to optimize these. Yeah. And then it's someone's job to execute these. And I really think that like now resources and skill sets and all of that, it's not about your title. It's about we need a group of people who can focus on engaged usage for startups that have free accounts, mm. right? And that might not be a team at first, but you get the idea. And like, I can actually see the org chart kind of emerge from this list. Yeah, yeah. but this is basically, the, it's kind of like the, the e-myth, but with, with more like, more maybe more for like our age or like the technology, mm. a technology company. I, I love it. Yeah, and then uh, another practical takeaway is if you do this, each one of these, the input and output can be measured, right? Somehow, hopefully. So you could say, you know, we can measure the number of site visits and the number of contacts. We can me- So if you can measure the IO on every one of these, those are your company performance KPIs, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Can- you could do the whole OKR thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's- Because you have the objectives. The objectives are the different steps. That's right. I want to increase the number of- And, well, here's the thing. The objectives- are and aren't the steps. I think what we said earlier on this podcast is I have one here, site visits become contacts. If I hold this out in front of me, if the goal is simply to increase contacts and and you were an output, if you were an outcome, not sure which one you want to say, but let's just say results oriented company, 
you might reward somebody for going out there and buying a list of email yeah. addresses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And what we're basically saying is, no, by by being explicit about the input and the output, yeah, you're only rewarding ideas and execution that turn the this specific kind of input into this specific kind of output because we think this kind of input is repeatable. Right. So if somebody, yeah. if I were to blow $10,000 on a, li- a mailing, I mean, you wouldn't spend that $100 and go buy 100,000 email addresses. I haven't actually built this process in my company yet. Yeah. yeah. It's a hack. But you, I mean, you could phrase this as, as, as the objective, right? The objective is to make this step work, like with the input and the output. <sighs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. If the, the objective for this quarter is to make these, you know, this one or these three work. Right. And then the key results become how you measure those things. So I kept geeking out for a little while. I mean, it was a 14 hour flight or whatever. So I'm like, some of these things are harder to measure. Do I currently have metrics for every one of these 45? And then which ones am I focused on now? And it was, it felt really good because I feel like this is what I'm building. Like this is what I'm building. Yes, I'm building a product and I love it. But the product is in order to have these 45 things happen at scale right yeah and i'm doing sales for the same reason like everything i'm doing is to build out these steps and that's it right yeah and it, it a lot of decisions just become easier yeah i mean i had the similar experience at microconf where someone's like oh tell me about tell me about your product and it turned into kind of pitch me on it yeah <laughs> and i I'm, don't get me wrong i'm not gonna be like no i'm not gonna do that but it, i also kind of thought you know if I if me standing here at a conference can't convince you to like be excited about it, that's okay because there's no step in this that says, you know, turn conference attendees into free users. <laughs> no. That's just that's not a good that's not a good fit for my for this business, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I had a similar experience because actually, Steli uh, was doing like a mentor thing for Tiny Seed Founders, yeah, and he, yeah. he he had an example of this where people were like, hey, pitch me on close. Or sell close to me. And he's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to beat this out. Yeah, I be- <laughs> but I think it was the same thought of like, look, I've built a company. The company has, I've written, you know, him. I built a company. I've written many books and I've done many podcasts and reviews. That's not how I get customers is convincing people. Yeah. yeah. Someone, uh, someone actually wanted to introduce me to someone who's running a WordPress product business at MicroConf. And not only did he introduce me, but he also was really excited about pitching my product. <laughs> um, so this person was like, afterwards was looking at me like, so yeah, so why should I buy your product? And I was like, well, I don't know that you should because <laughs> I don't know anything about you. And the only thing I know is actually that you're a product company. And right now I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something else. I'm trying to sell into agencies. So just like getting her as a customer, as a product company, doesn't really, like it doesn't really, when I look at my OKRs and my plan for this quarter, getting her as a customer is not really showing me anything. It's, it's showing not, me that a product company wants to use the product, but I'm not yeah. focused on product companies. It, in that sense, it's not traction, maybe. No. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's progress, but it's not traction. If you want to think about it that way, it's not helping you spin yeah. the wheel. Yeah. It's very linearly linear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. So you've, I think this is maybe a, maybe this is a big lens or filter to kind of look at the efforts and the actions that you're taking as a founder where your energy and time are so limited and just mm-hmm. ask yourself, like, is this thing, one of these things, 
And if it's not, why am I doing it? And and I think it's easy in the early days, especially because you know it's in the lore now that Jason Cohen convinced ten people to use. <laughs> would you buy WordPress? Or would you buy WP Engine? But keep in mind that like that was to validate that people had a certain pain and they were willing to yeah. pay. They were willing to pay. <laughs> like surely after that, the way that he built that wasn't going around the streets of Austin convincing people to sign up right yeah but so, the thing is it depends on what you're trying to do right like if oh, you're course. trying to yeah. if you're trying to grow your business to 30k mrr and then go to fe international and sell it for 5x then that's maybe that's what you you have to do is like you know run a bunch of paid ads and grow it like that but if if you're thinking more in terms of building the business itself as the product which is also a very e-myth kind of way of thinking mm. then you need to think about basically your strategy and your processes and basically what like you need to build the business and not just like acquire customers in a That's random right. way. That's right. I really love the idea of, you know, it gets the 30K a month, but it's only the four cylinder version of the engine, but you know, it's the four cylinder version and like <laughs> you can run it, but you have a, you have a really clear plan to upgrade it to a, you know, a V12 or whatever. And you're like, in other words, you didn't just get a bicycle to go really fast. Right. Yeah. If if you rolled downhill really fast, got yourself to the certain revenue milestone, yay! But now what? Right. Yeah. And you know this is um, this is what we we're talking about. The bar is like you, you want to work, you want to build a business or not a product. That, yeah, because like in the first you know, example, yeah. the only leverage you have is the five x multiple you get in the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If if you're kind of a come hell or high water, I'm going to get these results. Then you're going to push yourself to that point. You're going to maybe get those results. And then when you do, it might be hard to figure out where to go from there. Yeah. And you yeah. want to have the leverage. You want to build the leverage into your company. I think you sh that's at least the ideal, right? For a startup to basically have all these different things you can do that are higher leverage. And then you grow more like you grow and your your growth rate is not linear that's right yeah i i want to mention one more thing um and we can link i, I i'm now on the hook for a number of links in the show notes um yeah. there is an article uh that was shared with me um by uh prasana of uh, upeka um, ventures in india but he he sent me this article that's called uh leverage points in a system hmm. and it's super long and it's dense but i turned it into an audio file uh like a, one of those uh, whatever re reader bot things and i was listening to it and um, the author goes through uh they developed like a 13 ish i think it was 13 leverage points in a system and it's nice oh it's really interesting because it's it's not it's not startup specific so she talks about cities growing and uh a lot about um commerce and uh what am i what's the word I'm looking for commerce the economy right business capitalism and she mm -hmm. says you know stimulating growth or stimulating acceleration or um along a certain you know for a certain thing how do you get that to happen and she talks about incentives she talks about policy you know controlling the way people behave setting the mindset of people fly and she it was it was incredible and what's really interesting is that um, pricing is basically on that list. Like the price you set for things is a leverage point in the system mm. because, you know, making something free can really accelerate something or making it really expensive can really slow it down. 
Um, you know, I mean, you think about interest rates that the Fed sets uh, in the states, at least, and and yet that's not actually not the highest leverage point, but it is a point. And I think the startup world that we're in is really obsessed with pricing in one sense because it is a leverage point because you can decide tomorrow to change your pricing and it's just changed and it does have an effect, but it's actually on her, these are her, I think on her list, it was only maybe halfway up. Like there's a whole nother six or seven items that are even higher leverage in a complex system uh, than that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, if you look at it as a more like exponential thing, you could kind of like, you could choose to double your prices as a lot of people like to do in this community. And then you would probably have, let's say you double the prices and you have half the customers, but you, you, you have, so you have, or you have half the customers, but you have the same revenues. You have half the work. So that's nice, of course. But what if you halved your prices and then you had four times as many customers? I mean, it's just like different way, different ways of thinking. That's right. And, and, and frankly, in the first one where you double or triple your prices and half the customers, if you then take those, if you then take, and they pay annually, right? If you then take that cash that you pulled forward, right, and out of your customers, and you're able to invest it, yeah, invest it in conferences or marketing that attracts more larger customers, you've now built something, right? Yep. But if you just charge more for the sake of getting more money, and it's like, where does that money go? You know, what's the point? And I, I, yeah, I think that was the point of our conversation is, are we asking ourselves often enough, what's the point of all this? Yeah. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Yeah. And uh, my kimchi burger is just about to arrive. So I actually can't talk to you much longer, Matt. Well, I can't, I can't do much. I can't, I can't not do the things you do. So we actually had Indian arrive during this call, which is why you might've heard the dog barking if it wasn't edited out. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to go enjoy some curry, I believe. That sounds delicious. And uh, man, it was good to hang out with you in person. Very good. I look forward to doing this next time. Absolutely. Cool, man. Peter. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.